I was wondering. Um, oh, oh. I did a little research. That's bad news. <laughs> I looked up race, and I watched a couple of YouTubes, of course. So you're an expert. And I read some stuff, and it's so confusing the way we think of race. My conclusion was there's no point thinking about it at all because the way this, the systems are set up to judge people mm -hmm, and to, mm -hmm. first of all, nobody's, nobody's pure. Right. I am almost, but <laughs> hardly anybody is. Mm -hmm. and, and secondly, what we call race is not race. Hispanic people are white. speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Latino people are from South America or the Caribbean or Mexico. Those aren't races. Cecilia always talks about, and she has to fill out a form, it'll say, what's your race? Sometimes there's no choice that she can take. And, and sometimes it'll be South Sea Islander mm -hmm. or Pacific Islander. Mm -hmm. Is that a race? It's a location. In biology, and I don't think this has changed. In biology, we were taught like there are three actual races, right? Right. But that, you know, now it, it is a different, you know, I guess probably unless you're a biologist or an anthropologist or something like that, you don't think that mm -hmm. way. I, like I was listening to John Leguizamo. He had that. It's I think it's called Latin History for Morons. Mm. Did you see that? <laughs> no. his, he had a one person show and they did a film of it. And, like, I guess I never thought of it this way, but, like, um, you know, Hispanic people from Central and South America, and, you know, there's a lot of, like, Native American in there. It's just, it is just, you know, you can't separate them out, right? Mm -hmm. And I look at my son, he's got super Asian eyes, and supposedly, like, people came from Asia, you know. Like, how can you separate those things out? You can't. Right. To just say there's white, there's black, and there's Asian, mm -mm. it doesn't make any sense anymore, for sure. But you're, think you're thinking, well, that people simplify by saying, because you're Latin, because you're French, because you're whatever, that they called it a race, as opposed to a nas nationality. or I mean, ethnicity to me is the better word. There was a thing about non-Hispanic whites or non-Latino whites are Americans who identify as white and are not of Hispanic heritage. But Hispanic has nothing to do with it. What? You know, it's a language. At the end of it, you just say, what? Yeah. I, I don't understand what any of that is about. And, and so my conclusion was, can we just forget it? I wish we could. I wish we could, too. But we can't. Uh, so anyway... I guess I didn't have a way, a, a real topic there, but we're we're dealing with old-fashioned, like, 19th century concepts that haven't gone away. <laughs> it's time to just forget all mm. that, you know? I agree. We'll tell that for all the people who are going to vote in the midterms. Or Kyrie Irving's five million followers. What the? <laughs> what the hell? What is wrong with him? I mean, what is going on? That's another thing. Are, what are Jews? Are Jews a race? It's true of Muslims too. I mean, it's right. and I guess it's true of it's true of Catholics as well, right? I mean, it's not a race. None of those are races. They're religions, but you know, they come to. I think for certain historical reasons, you know, they be they come to be identified as a race, right? You know, right. I guess having like uh, thousands of years of history of mm -hmm. discrimination and violence against mm -hmm. you will maybe do that. You know, you're non-white, Grace. Oh, because I'm Italian. <laughs> Technically. 
if this was 1880 and and you just got off the boat. Yeah, I'm a mongrel race. Yeah. Isn't that what they used to call Italians? Mongrels. Mongrels? <laughs> just, I don't know. How can that even be worth thinking about? Mm. Well, we're three white people talking about it, too. So I don't know <laughs> if we can really speak to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, you know, being in the school that I'm in now, like talking about epidemiology and public health, I mean... There are a lot of social determinants of health and, um, you know, race is one of those in that, you know, when you look at certain statistics, it's like economic status, you know, I mean, certain statistics show that there are clusters of issues around, you know, people of certain ethnicities and things like that. And if you think of it in maybe a po- <laughs> it's hard to think of it in a positive term, but you know, I think there's a lot more emphasis now on the fact that these groups have, you know, have total health inequities and disparities and that, like, uh, we should really do something about this because right. they live right. like, you know, 10 years less than a white person, quote unquote, white person on mm-hmm. average. And, you know, they have higher rates of cancer and they have higher rates of mm-hmm. miscarriage. And, you know, like, so if it's a way to identify folks who need more help, that's a good thing, but that's generally, I think, not what is not what happens. It's mm-hmm. the inequity in healthcare, is what you're saying, I don't know. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, inequities in all you know in the social mm-hmm. system and the economic system right. and every system, really. When I was a little kid, my mother's brother married an Italian girl. <laughs> oh no! And it sent shockwaves through the family. And then a few years later. My father's sister married a Cuban guy. And both of those situations were like, it was just whispered about and talked about. And they were, you know, they they married those people and then kind of divorced themselves from the family almost. It took a long time for them to get back in the good graces of the family. I never understood it then because they seemed like nice people to me. <laughs> All of them seemed like nice people, and I never understood it. Mm-hmm. So I remember my mom telling me when she was in school, and you know, my mom's ninety-one. So when she was in grade school, there was a boy who liked her and wanted to, I think, maybe take her to a movie or something, but she couldn't because he was not Catholic. Right. You know, he was a Protestant. Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> who who even knows now? <laughs> Right. Well, we don't, mostly our, well, a lot of our society doesn't care anymore. I mean, I think that's, isn't it, the majority of people now claim that they're basically secular? Is it the majority now? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I thought it was. (laughs) Maybe you should, you need to research that. It could be by certain age, it could be by certain age groups. You know, I'm sure it does break down by age. Yeah, you're probably right. I should go back and uh, listen to every episode of Charbarled Chats and write down what we have to, what we have to check. (laughs) Fact check. Fact check. Right. I have one show where we address all the, like the things we were speculating on. Yeah. And we should see who has the most erroneous (laughs) statements. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should do that. That's a great idea. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Keep a tote board. <laughs> right. The the debunk podcast. Yeah. Misinformation. <laughs> right. By the way, <clears throat> excuse you me. You all right? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You got a, you got a okay. tick in your throat? 
I think I'm getting COVID right now. Yeah. I can't talk. After editing the last two episodes, we did a lot on death and meaninglessness and disease, and they were really down or so. I think we should apologize to our listener right now. (laughs) We got to be careful of what we do. There was a moment where Grace said, you're the death expert talking to me. And what I heard is, you're the deaf expert. (laughs) And then you kept saying, death, death. And I kept hearing, deaf, deaf. (laughs) And then, you know, in the end, it turned out that, yeah, I'm kind of the deaf and the death expert. You were the deaf expert. (laughs) Both. The, the deaf, death expert. Do I sound terrible? You sound gravelly. Yeah. You sound froggy. What, I don't know what happened. Yeah, froggy. Want some water? Yeah, where's your lovely assistant with some water? Right. Yeah. Did she clap you on the back? Should I be videotaping this in case yeah. you expire? Yeah, <laughs> Last night we watched West Side Story. Oh, um, yeah, the new one. It wasn't as spectacular as I thought it would be, and it wasn't as flashy, but it was... Perfect. I don't like Steven Spielberg. I knew you would say that because he's <laughs> he's mainstream and sentimental and. No, I mean, there's a lot of there's plenty of mainstream directors I like. I think. I mean, I don't you know I don't know who do you, who do you consider a mainstream director? Uh, James Cameron. Oh uh, no, don't like him. <laughs> Ridley Scott. Oh, um, I like him. I'll stand up for Spielberg. I think he's. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not a talented director. Yeah, I just don't like his. I don't know. He's a little bubble bubble gummy. Yeah. He's too yeah. He's just too sentimental for me. Yeah, when he does like stuff like um, what is what's that first one? Drive is it called? When he does stuff like that and Jaws and like Minority Report. Yeah, he's he's um, done. I like him a lot. He's done thirty something mm-hmm. films. Yeah, and you, you you've forgotten a lot of them. I bet Munich. Oh, he did that. Oh. Yeah, Bridge of Spies, and Hmm. there's a lot of stuff that he did that Mm -hmm. I don't think he deserves the bubble gummy. Well, I just feel... Anyway, go on. No, I could go on forever. Go on. (laughs) I like musicals because once you get over that moment where they start to sing, Mm -hmm. anything is acceptable. But we sat there for, except for a pee break, two hours and 20 minutes, and didn't say a word. Hmm. I heard it was good. You also have to remember that the score fucking stupendous classic and that's really why you sat there and didn't talk because the music is so wonderful and the story is just you know heartbreaking and it's it's a fantastic piece i love the original one it is it's a it's a classic but Mm -hmm. every every frame of it it's it's like perfect not in a way that it's you know pristine it's it's very gritty more gritty than i imagined and it and it has more danger to it than the original mm-hmm. well, maybe i'll watch i wanted to see it because i like spielberg mm-hmm. but everything about it the acting and the you know the one guy is not he's kind of a stooge the lead guy right yeah i don't like that actor at all i don't like him at all tony yeah i heard he wasn't he's not really it was miscast that was a mistake, yeah, was I think. Miscast. I don't know how that happened, but there are moments here, such mm-hmm. great moments in it, and and every every second was like, I just want to know what happens next, even though of course I know what happens next, but mm-hmm. but uh, just so well done. Anyway, that's my review. Of- I wa- I watched Jaws last week. I came across, and I haven't seen that in really? decades. It's 
it really holds up. I mean, God, it's so good. Despite the so fact that the good. shark is so fake looking, it <laughs> totally the whole thing holds up. It really is a great movie. Robert Shaw's character is yeah. so great. <laughs> I know. But Dreyfus is too. He's terrific. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the nerdy, smart guy. There's a thing about Spielberg, the blocking. Mm-hmm. It, there's a flow to every every scene that that perfectly natural. There's never any question. Like you look at uh, Michael Bay or somebody mm-hmm. and you go like, what the hell is happening? I don't. <laughs> Joel Schumacher. It's shit. It's absolute shit. Spielberg, when he's doing an action piece, a set piece that you know exactly mm-hmm. who is where and why they're there and what's going to happen next. Yeah, he's and really good at that. Jurassic Park. For sure. Kids are in the car. and oh, On the mirror. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, there's a reason for every shot yeah it's it's fantastic and and the, when it's above the oh my yeah. doesn't matter how many times you watch that you're like yeah. so you're wrong you're wrong on spielberg grace <laughs> yeah. But. Mm-hmm. yeah well i mean i think i just don't like his movies where he tries to be really like super serious you know the stuff when he does mm-hmm. action and all of that i like that his that stuff a lot mm. of his you know, I like Indiana Jones. I like I like Jaws. I like oh, that first movie was called Duel. I think that was his first big movie. Yeah, with was Den, was it Dennis Weaver? Wow, gotta look that up. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Dennis Weaver. Yeah, he's driving the yeah. car, trying to get away or something. I'm yeah. sure it's him. Yeah. Anyway, that's my review and my defense of Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I know you like you really like Korean torture films but it doesn't have to be torture yeah. martial <laughs> arts though right yeah martial arts. I, well there was a great um documentary on netflix was it netflix or no maybe something else but anyway it was called God, kung fu kicks and something something anyway it was a documentary about kung fu movies it was so fun and it was really did i talk about this already to you I don't think so. it was mm. it was really interesting because apparently like in the 70s like in new york city that was like a real hotbed for audiences for those mm. movies right and they would put um double features together with like black exploitation movies and kung fu movies so like the black audience was really huge into kung fu and they showed like the connections between breakdancing and kung fu moves, you know, oh. like how it was super interesting. Uh, yeah. Hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, they talked about, you know, Bruce Lee and they talked about Jackie Chan. And but then, you know, there were some other people in there that I hadn't heard of before that they talked about. And it was really it was it, and they talked about like in Hong Kong, like the Hong Kong movies. I don't know if it's still true, but apparently in the day, like they could do anything they wanted on set practically, right? And like they showed one Jackie Chan movie where they blew up a building, but they didn't ask anyone's permission to blow it up. <laughs> and and they showed this other scene where these this group of like gangsters kidnaps this little girl and she's walking like she's seven years old walking along the street and they kidnap her and they grab her by the hair and they're dragging her along in, with the car, you know, like holding her up. That was not fake. Ugh. They did this to this little girl holding her by her hair while the car was driving. She's outside the car. They're holding her by the hair. Right. And it was real. They didn't have any kind. <laughs> and they said no child like, services there. <laughs> they said in the, if you were in a Hong Kong kung fu movie that you were going to get hurt for sure. Wow. And not sued apparently. I guess not. <laughs> Gosh, I watched the Great British Baking Show last night. I feel like. 
Maybe I need to broaden my horizons. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> well, I don't know when I started getting more into the kung fu stuff, but I really, I really like it. I mean, it's just fun. It is so much fun. Like when you, even when you watch Big Trouble mm-hmm. in Little China, right? I mean, the fight scenes in that are so much fun. I mean, it's almost like like musicals. I mean, it's a it's a whole genre. Right. And once you accept, it is totally. They're sort of dance fighting. Totally. Then it's then it's fun. Right. Yeah, like we watched all the Ip Man movies. There's four of them, and one of them, Mike Tyson, is in it. It's like, what the hell is Mike Tyson doing in this? Yeah, Cecilia watched those. I I couldn't do it. Oh, I loved that. <laughs> the guy was a great character, right? That I love him. Just so quiet, and he was in the. He was in Rogue One. That actor. He was in Rogue One. That's where I really kind of first saw him. You know, that was the only Star Wars movie I ever really liked. Yeah. And then, then of course, they all die. And I'm like, well, why did they kill them all off? Those are the only characters I ever really liked. <laughs> oh, I did I did fact check something from our previous episodes where we talked about death and meaninglessness. We, we were talking about, I, I brought up that. I thought we weren't supposed to talk about that now. <laughs> I know, I'm going, but I just noticed I made a note because I checked, I did fact check. Yeah, I know, you brought back again. Astrophysicists committed suicide most of any profession, and then dentists. You said that wasn't, that couldn't possibly, I mean, how could, because dentists are not doctors, they would kill themselves. Anyway, what I found, I didn't find astrophysicists on the list, but the list of most common professional suicides, doctors, dentists, police, veterinarians, financial services, and realtors. What? I didn't copy out how uh, what the reasons were. Realtors. Realtors. Yeah. I, Realtors. I'll... Veterinarians. Like I, I sort of get the health professions. You know. It's a lot of pressure, and it's big ticket. It's not like selling a used car. But what's the real? Where, you know, maybe next week I'll sell three. It's like I got to sell that house. I get the realtors now. You're not selling something for so long, and you just you get beaten down you're not making a sale you're not making a sale you're not making a sale so maybe you're just it's not worth living anymore well the thing is is it the profession or is it the kind of people that the profession attracts yeah well that's an excellent mm-hmm. point that's something to research Walt. <laughs> <laughs> that's for your next week every list i looked at there are a lot of health care hmm, professionals right. and it's it's mostly because people just don't appreciate what they do mm. see yeah. i like by that by the same token i'm sitting there thinking like why wouldn't social workers be in there you know and people like that because what what kind of shit do they see right but maybe mm-hmm. they're emotionally better equipped i don't know well when you're when you're an empath you know when you're in the healthcare, i think you're you're ideal idealistic about helping people and wanting to help everybody and maybe when you can't help people all the time it's stressful for you makes you feel bad you can't help everybody yeah this is a, a thing that i okay we shouldn't get on to this either but oh you know how people say well most people are good it appears they're not <laughs> yeah it's, right some people are good <laughs> some people are good and some are real jerks but a lot of people are just in that ready to snap yeah. angry mm-hmm. that's what kind of disappointed me about the thing that we're in now that people are not what I thought they were. They've people have let me down. Yeah. <laughs> so 
our book club read this book about, um, it was a novel about people um, fleeing Syria, I think, trying to get someplace else. And they're on a boat and, you know, there's a disaster that happens with the boat and, you know, who kind of steps up and who doesn't. And, you know, and it's like, I think until you're in a really bad situation, you don't know who's going to be a good person and who's not going to be a good person. You don't really know until you're faced with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you like to think, and, and that's sort of was in some ways the thrust of the book. Like we all like to think that we would be the person in the book, you know, who was the best person and really right. tried to help you, but mm -hmm. we don't know that. You don't know until you actually... Until you're in the situation, right? Yeah. I mean, how many times do you pass by someone and you're like, oh, I wish I could do something about that? And you don't. But like my son is out when he was younger, he'd be like, you know, like I remember once right. we were driving down the street in the mm -hmm. snow, slushy, slushy snow. And there was this guy who was obviously down on his luck riding a bike and he wipes out, you know. And I pull over and like, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Luis, we have to see if that guy's okay. You know, I mean, he's like, no, don't stop. I'm like. We have to see if that guy's okay. I always call him Luis Mr. Compassion because he's super compassionate. That's a super minor thing. It was no skin off my nose to stop and see how he was. But, you know, if you were in a situation where you could lose your life, what would you do? About a month ago, we ran across a fellow who was had fallen on his bike. He didn't look that yes. great. And we backed up and Chuck got out and he was like, hey, you all right? Do you need, you know, can we help you at all? And it was just, a, of course you should do that, you know? Yeah. And we ended up giving him a ride to his wherever he had to be. It was just like five minutes down the street. We threw his threw his uh bike in the car and it was fine. That's so, cool. Yeah. More people. Spread kindness. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've we've kind of developed a culture where there's so much fear. If you stop to help a guy who fell off his bike, he's gonna pull a gun on you. Or so, he's gonna knife you and take your right, take your wallet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I have done that if I was by myself. Right. I know. That's disappointing. It's always really sad, too. I remember once in Rochester, I was driving down the street, and I saw this really, you know, elderly lady in the corner. And then, all, and for some reason, I don't know, it struck me as odd. And I looked back in my rearview mirror, and I literally saw her just go boom, face down in the street. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And so I stopped, and, you know, a bunch of other people, too. And she's bleeding, and, you know, and... And everyone figured that she was coming from the the home down the street, mm -hmm. you know, like, because she was really out of it. And we didn't think it was definitely all from the fall, you know. And and uh, and after, you know, after the ambulance took her and everything, like, you know, it was like I cried just because of like the just the emotion that you, you know, build up sometimes when you, something like that happens you're in, and you're involved, you know. And so maybe that's part of this, the whole doctor, dentist, suicide thing, you know, because maybe there's so much stress involved in that, that like your body can't take it anymore. And it's turning on yourself in, in depression. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, I could look that up again and actually copy the paragraphs instead of just reading the headlines. But what fun would that be? Yeah. Now you just have to make up your own details. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Bailey, you sent us a, a review that a friend had written. Yes. Did they say who they liked best at all? Why are you asking that? No. <laughs> well, you just need a little, you just need a little bit of massage, Wally. No, I just wondered. Probably you, Walt. I don't think there's a, there's a hierarchy here. There's just wondering. She didn't mention anyone specific. Yeah, that's a very diplomatic answer, Bailey. Well, she's my friend, so it was probably me. 
but she met me. 